0: Good morning. I love that song because it's really a song of anticipation. I know everybody this morning, how many of you are anticipating it being cold this morning? Yeah. Just a little. As much as we anticipated that, I hope when we gather here to worship, so many times we get nothing out of it because we put nothing into it. So I hope that you had come anticipating and expecting, uh, longing to meet with the Lord, longing to worship Him and know that He has truth for you to hear today. And he is longing to change our lives every time we meet together. So I hope that you're here with that attitude. Welcome to our service. If you're visiting with us today, we're so glad to have you. And before you leave, we always say this, but please stop by our guest table in the lobby. You can get a guest bag there that has some information, has chocolate in it, if that entices anybody. Um, Just a little gift to say thank you for being here and maybe answer any questions that you have. Um, We'd also love to meet you, so before you leave, please, uh, we'll be available here at the front. We'd love to meet you. Just one quick announcement, really a reminder. If you look at your bulletin, you can see these announcements, but um, many of you, as we get into tax season, um, concerning your contribution statements, those will be available in the hallway. Tracy will be available after the service if you've not picked that up yet. Um, If you do not pick that up today, we'll stick those in the mail and those will go out this week. If you gave online last year, sometimes people don't understand this, Uh, Your online giving is not included on that statement. You have access to that through your account that you give online. If you need any assistance with that, please contact me, and I'll help you, and you can get that printed out. But right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand up. As we have gathered, take a minute to welcome your neighbor. If if you've not met them yet, introduce yourself and welcome them to the service.
1: This, uh, as, as we, sorry about that. As we come to this time of prayer, uh, we typically will bring a, a prayer request or two. Uh, been asked by the Mark Foy, fam, Mark Foy family to remember him in prayer. Uh, his father passed away, and uh, if you will remember Mark and his family uh, over in the sanctuary, probably a lot of the remodeling that's been done, especially on the second, and third floor, was done by Mark and his dad and their crew and. We uh, really appreciate uh, Mark and his family. So if you will remember him in prayer. Also, Sonia's mother, Mirtha, who's a longtime member of East Hills Baptist Church, she's in the hospital and could use your prayers as well. I know that God has things on your heart that you can come and pray for as an individual, pray for yourself or with your family. We also have several names in your bulletin that we encourage you to pray for every week and you can pray for this service as well pray for caring hearts we're glad to have denise here this morning she'll be sharing just a little bit but i'm going to ask matt johnson one of our deacons if he will to come up here and he's going to lead us during this uh, time of prayer and as the praise team and the choir leads us in this song if you will please meet me here at the altar and let's pray together this morning thank you Heavenly Father, we just humble ourselves before you this morning, Lord. We want to lift up all the needs that have been mentioned here today with the loss of loved ones, Father, those that are sick and hurting, Father, those that are in need. Continue to be with them. Bless them. Father, give them strength when's only you can do. And Father, I ask that you uh, bless each and everyone here today. Father, keep them safe from any harm in their travels back home. Lord, please bless the choir and our pastors as he brings the message. Lord, and we just want to thank you for what you've already done, the many blessings that you've given us. Father, it's only you can do. But Lord, help us to always, everything that we say and do, honor you in a special way. And we just want to thank you and praise you. In the name of your precious Holy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand And everything around me is shaken I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus Cause he's never let me down faithful through generations, so why would he fail now? He won't. Mm-hmm. He won't. day.
3: From the moment of conception, every life is woven together with DNA, which determines gender, eye color, and hair color, and makes us all unique. Each one, valued beyond measure, God created us in his own image. I have called you by name, you are mine you can be the voice that saves a life you can be the friend who encourages a mom you can be the one that empowers a dad when we all understand how precious every life is we can be the instruments to change a culture a culture that values every life as a gift from god today we recognize the sanctity of human life of every person, young or old, perfectly formed and fashioned by the Creator.
1: Mike's working now. Working? Okay, uh, maybe not. Um, As you know, as the video showed, this is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday for the Southern Baptist Convention. And we're so thankful to have a ministry in our county. That reaches out to young women and older women uh, who are who are struggling with this issue, and uh, Denise Garnes has been their leader for 18 years. It's hard to believe, isn't it? And I'm going to ask her to come now and kind of give us an update on Karen Hearts and where they are. And I'd like to say this as well: at the end of the service, we're going to take up an offering for Karen Hearts Pregnancy Center, and you can make the check out to East Hillsville Baptist Church. Put in the memo Karen Hearts, and we'll make sure that they get that check next week. Thank you for
4: being here with us this morning, Denise. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for church. Many of you in this room have walked alongside us for 18 years. I cannot thank you enough for what you've done. For many of you, this may be the first time we've met. I have been involved in pro-life ministry for over 34 years. It began with my own two crisis pregnancies in high school. When I came face to face with the question of when does life begin? A pro-life nurse in a room one day said to me, Denise, what is the difference between the five-month-old sitting on your lap and the baby within your womb? And I had to make a choice. The ministry we do here in Alexander County is unapologetically pro-life. I know when I speak in a crowd this size, there is always someone who has a hidden abortion in their past. If that person is you, I want to say to you, there is hope, there is healing, there is forgiveness, and there is restoration in Jesus Christ. There has never been anything in human history that compares to the Holocaust of abortion. Statistically, 20% of all pregnancies will end in abortion in this nation every year. Over 64 million have occurred that we know of in this nation since Roe v. Wade was legalized in '73. The battle has moved from surgical abortions to chemical abortions, which was a two-step or a two-pill process, to now induction abortions, which is a one-pill process that we cannot reverse. In 2022, chemical abortions accounted for 54% of all abortions done in this nation. It's shocking to know that women used to be able to go into a clinic, and that's where her trauma was experienced. Now, it can be in her bedroom, her bathroom, a friend's home, or a hotel room, where she will experience the trauma. It's sickening to me to know, when I thought about this and heard this talk a while back, it hit me to the core of my being. It's sickening to know the sewer systems of this nation are already filled with over a million aborted babies just from these chemical abortions in the past couple years. As of July 23, the law permitting abortion here in North Carolina was changed from 20 weeks, six days, to 12 weeks, six days. And while we'd love to see abortion completely eradicated, We have a ton of work left to do. Abortion is the moral catastrophe of our age. and church, it is up to us to respond to it. Nobody else is going to. For every post-abortive woman, there is a post-abortive man. Potentially millions of hurting people sitting around us. Imagine with me for just a minute What might happen if there was a great awakening awakening ignited by this abortion debate and millions of people came to truth, truly repented, and were healed, received forgiveness, and their lives were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. What would you say if a woman came to you with an unplanned pregnancy? Where would you send her? Caring hearts exist to be that place that you can send her. We are a refuge from whatever storms she may be facing. We're a place of hope, a place of help, a place of safety. A place where she should be treated with dignity and respect. A place where she will be heard and pointed to Jesus. All of her care as she comes to us will be free of charge. We'll be able to begin the first stages of medical care. And with our newest technology, we'll be able to open a window into the womb where she can meet her child for the first time through ultrasound. It's a place where she can safely process her emotions and a space where she can make a well-informed decision for herself and her unborn child. It's a place that's not just pro-baby. We're pro-woman, pro-mom, pro-dad, and pro-family. A place where she can grow education, receive counsel, receive supplies, until her baby turns at least two years old. And that's just a snippet of what we do. There's so much more. As we work to continue to build a culture of life here in Alexander County, we need you. Back in December we purchased a new building here in town. We're going to go from one floor where we were doing service to now having three floors. We're gonna go from one classroom and one counseling room to five counseling rooms and three classrooms. We're gonna be able to expand our medical services in this area. And the most exciting part to me is we are going to be able to provide emergency housing for any mom in need. Exciting days are ahead, but there's a lot of work to be done. We're working with a general contractor who will oversee this project and God's moving already as many volunteers and many people have stepped up to help us. We know right now that we are gonna need $5,000 for a new roof. We're going to pray that new windows can be installed on this building before we move in. We're gonna have to add a lot more security features to this building and we're gonna need new flooring. We're hoping to get the work done as fast as we can, so we don't have to pay both the rent and mortgage. And once it's ready, we're gonna need lots of hands to help us move from one space to the other and get things set up. You know, there's a little phrase that says, actions speak louder than words. It's easy for us to proclaim through our words that we are pro-life, but our actions will always prove what we truly believe. There's a place for everyone in pro-life ministry, whether it's here in Alexander County at Caring Hearts or serving on the streets of Charlotte with Love Life. It could be that you are called to teach pro-life apologetics in a classroom setting. It could be you're the one that's called to provide the money for an ultrasound or to provide diapers and wipes and supplies for a family. Lots of ways to get involved. The opportunities are endless. And church, I'm telling you, the harvest is at hand. I'd ask you to prayerfully consider what you can do to help advocate for your unborn neighbors and for their parents who are all created in the image of Christ. Thank you, church, for everything you do. God bless you.
1: So I'm going to ask you if you will to stand with me and turn to Psalm 139. I may just cut this off, guys. Let me just cut that off. As you're turning there, I want to make an announcement about the Karen Hearts Pregnancy Center. One of our church members, Bella Pritchard, is having a fundraiser. It's for a senior project. On February the 10th, a baby shower will be held at the ETBC Sunroom, which is over there from 4 to 530 for dropping off of donations, food, and games. Drop boxes are at ETBC, Friendship Lutheran Church, Pure Grit Fitness. And if they can't attend, the baby shower boxes will be there until February 9th, and they'll be out in our lobby as well. And you can look on Bella's Facebook page or in the bulletin next week, and you can see the supplies and things that they need. Psalm 139, we're talking about today why I'm pro-life, all right? Why I am. Why if I was going to make a decision today about pro-choice or pro-life, I'm going to tell you why I am. Notice what David says in Psalm 139, verse 13 through 18. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance yet being unformed, and in your book they they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O oh God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Father, we want to thank you that your word speaks to every aspect of life, every area of living. And Father, when it comes to uh, unborn children, Lord, you speak loudly and clearly on when life begins. Science speaks loudly and clearly when life begins and father i pray that you'd help us as a church to minister to mothers regardless of their age lord who are pregnant and trying to make this decision and lord we pray that they'd make the right decision lord who knows who knows uh the next great uh, christian leader is about to be born who knows father uh we know that you want that child to be born. Lord, I want to thank you for Karen Hart's Pregnancy Center, for Denise's leadership, for their board. Lord, pray that you'd meet all the needs that they have. Pray for this new building, that it would be funded. Uh, Lord, that it would be uh, stocked and equipped with not only, uh, Lord, finances and people serving, but Lord, we pray that we'd be able to see a lot of women be ministered to and even come to Christ, Father, and we'll thank you and praise you for what you do for us, and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, and all the God's people say together, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In Psalm 139, David writes about the sovereignty of God. He writes about God's omniscience, His omnipresence, His omnipotence, all those big attributes. Uh, omniscience just means that God is all-knowing. Omnipresence mean, means that God is everywhere at all time. And omnipotence just means that God is all-powerful. He can do anything. And David talks about that in verses 1 through 6. He says, you know me. You encompass me. You surround me. In verse uh Uh, 17 or 7 through 14 he talks about how god's presence is everywhere and then verses 18 he talks about how god you created me and then verses 19 through 24 he talks about how god you test me and in this psalm david gives us insight into when life begins and how life begins isn't it amazing how a husband and wife can be intimate over and over again and never get pregnant and then one day they're pregnant you know why because god is the giver of life god is God gives life, and that's what David tells us. And the first reason I'm pro-life is because I believe the Bible. I do. Notice what the verses say here on the screen. David says this, For you, talking about God, you formed my inward parts. David didn't say my mom did, or my dad did, or sperm and an egg did. He says, God, you formed my inward parts. You Notice these words. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, Praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David has given all the credit to his birth, even when unborn, or his his self, to God. He didn't mention his mom or his dad. He says, God, you're omniscient, you're omnipresent, and Lord, you gave me life. Now listen to this. Do you believe the Bible? One scholar put it this way, in the midst of flux and change, one thing remains absolutely unchangeable, the word of the living God. The message of the Bible never alters. It is always up to date. Speaking to the issues of every age, the Bible is like a solid rock in the midst of a desert of shifting sand. It is the most precious object on earth today. Isn't that amazing how he said that? This is the most precious object on the earth today. It is God's word. It wasn't the word of Paul. It wasn't the word of some committee. It wasn't consensus. It wasn't something that he had received from someone else there is only one God and He has spoken in one book. Now, you believe that or not? You believe that or not? All other supposed revelations from God are not from God at all. There are concoctions of men and for the most part, demon-inspired men. The Quran, the Book of Mormon, and all other writings are man-made. Anything that contradicts the Bible is not from God. If it's not contained in the 66 books of the Bible, it's not the Word of God. And if it's not c- contained in the 66 books of the Bible, God didn't say it. God spoke about the creation of this world and the vast universe in Genesis 1. Nothing can create something, nothing can't create something unless you're God. He also spoke about the creation of humans and conception. When does a baby's life begin? Think about that. Fortunately, there's a great deal of information on that question in Psalm 139. Notice what David says in verse 13. And this may be a little different than from the verse on the screen, this translation. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. David pictures God setting out a sewing machine or in David's day a weaver's shuttle. He informs us that God is choosing the thread, the colors, the style, the pattern. He is creatively weaving us together. Your intellect, your personality, your, your wants and your desires are given to you by God himself. We all have a limit on what we can learn. That's why I'm not an astronaut or a brain surgeon would be nice, I guess. I think I'd rather be a pastor, but I don't have the intellect to do that because God knitted me this way. All right? There, there are certain things I like that you don't because that's how God made me. This is how he made me. David is saying, you formed my inward parts. You sewed me together in my mother's womb. You're responsible for my personality, my intellect, my gifts, my talents, all those things, God, I'll look to you. He says this, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The word David uses for fearfully could be amazingly. The word translated wonderfully means I am fearfully, wonderfully made, could be rendered uniquely. We're all different. Even even identical twins are different. David is boasting in his creator God by singing, I am amazingly and uniquely created by God, who formed even the tiniest parts of me, weaving me together in the womb. Verse 15, he says, My frame was not hidden from you, God, when I was made in secret. This Hebrew term refers to bones, our skeletal structure. He is saying here that God was involved in the very development of my skeleton. Verse 15, we are intricately woven or embroidered in the depths of the earth. The depths of the earth is a metaphorical reference to the dark, hidden recesses of the womb. God the creator has been at work not just in times past, but in every mother's womb, embroidering each individual by his creative design. Notice verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written, every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none. One scholar says we tend to forget that a man and a woman do not create life. We are simply the secondary cause. The plan of God to bring sperm and secondary cause and the plan of God to bring sperm and egg together. God actually determines life and breath. David writes here that God ordains our days even before there's one of them. The fact that there is something of life occurring at the moment of conception is actually the creative work of God according to His divine purpose. Notice, the words David choose here are loaded with meaning. He writes that God saw His unformed substance. This is actually one word in the Hebrew language. It's a word that defines something that even David didn't know much about prior to prenatal science and discovery. The Hebrew term actually means embryo. David is saying literally, He, God, designed my embryo Substance under formation in the womb, substance not yet perfected but living and developing. This psalm is clearly stating that every life conceived is a person not yet perfected but living and developing. As one author has put it, life begins at conception, and any death that occurs after the moment of conception is death, is the death of a person. And every person at the moment of life is from then on an eternal soul. 96% of all biologists in America. That's over 5,500 that were surveyed. 96% said that life begins at the moment of conception, just like David just did. 96%. To say to, that is a consensus. To say they're wrong is highly ignorant of you. And I, I you see people on TV all the time. I saw an episode of Dr. Phil where you had a pro-life woman saying that 99% 6% of biologists say life begins at conception. He says that's fundamentally wrong. I can't let you get on here and lie. Well, Dr. Phil was fundamentally wrong, or he's just not real smart to be able to Google when life begins at conception and what the scientists think. 96% would agree with David. The other 4% are probably bought off because everybody knows if you believe in science, science and the Bible contradict nowhere. As a matter of fact, if you read the Bible, your thoughts of science should grow, actually, They don't contradict. Life begins in the womb. Notice what God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5. He says, God is speaking to Jeremiah when he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So God determined that Jeremiah would be born before his mom and dad ever got together. He says, you were born, when you were born, I sanctified you, I ordained ordained you a prophet to the nations. He says, before you were born, I had a plan and purpose for your life that you're going to do because God is sovereign over all things. The Lord didn't consider Jeremiah to be some lump of impersonal tissue in the womb, some anonymous appendage to a mother's body, a fetus that wasn't really a living person. In the womb, both Jeremiah and David are viewed as God by God as living persons. God knew as much about you in the first few hours when you were an unformed substance, an embryo, as he knows about you today. He sees you fully and completely in the context of eternity. Then John MacArthur says this, here's a staggering truth. Life begins by the will and power of a creator God. Every child conceived is a God-created and God-loved person and a God with a God-given purpose and destiny. Now think about this. At eight weeks in the womb, it is a scientific fact that the baby has brain waves, a heartbeat, a functioning liver, functioning kidneys, a fingerprint, and recoils from a prick at eight weeks. Yet the argument is that's not a human life. That's a woman's body. A woman should be able to do with her body anything that she wants to do with her body, and she does. You don't have a right to touch another person's body. Isn't it amazing how you have two sets of DNA, four sets of eyes, two sets of livers, how many kidneys, how many legs and fingers and hands? That's not your body. It's inside your body, but it's not your body. Science says that. Of the one million plus abortions that occurred in the United States of America last year, the majority of them occurred after eight weeks, which means there was a heartbeat brainwaves, functioning organs, but our position is that's not a human, that's not a soul, that's not a person. Think about this, you can have abortions in some states up to almost to birth. Notice, Notice this picture on the screen. This is Curtis, the 21 week old baby who has set a Guinness World Record as the most premature baby ever. I don't think that's a clump of cells, do you? That's why ultrasounds are so important, is it not right, Denise? You see it's a person. So you sit in a science classroom that is that is uh, has a certain worldview, and they're going to say that's not a baby in there. It's not a baby. It has hands. It has eyes. It has feet. It has it has all the functioning parts. At 21 weeks, you can take the baby out, and it can have life. Isn't that amazing? And in America today, we'll have people who will say, "No, that's just a clump of cells. As long as it's inside the mom." Have you ever seen a picture of a preborn baby at 30 weeks? Sorry, my mic's not on. At 30-some at weeks, and then you see the mother right after that has the baby, and the only difference is about, what, 15 seconds? But in some states, it's legal to kill that baby as long as it's not outside the womb. What kind of horrific, demonic, Satan-inspired person would agree with that? Who would? Who would agree with that? Not a Christian, not a born-again Christian, you can't. You can't. I would repent of that now and ask God to forgive me. See, the reason I'm pro-life is because I believe the Bible. and whether it, 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 You'll either believe the Bible or not on every aspect of life. And I believe in the Bible. The second thing is this. I believe that every child is a gift from the Lord. Every child. It doesn't matter how that child was born, what that child, what that child looks like after they're born, regardless of their race, regardless of whether they have a handicap or not. Every child is a gift from God. Notice what the psalmist says. He says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children are a gift. I was thinking about this, children with disabilities are a gift from the Lord. Children with Down syndrome are a gift from from the Lord. Some nations are celebrating that it's legal to abort if in the womb you see that your child has Down syndromes that they have the right to abort that baby. In one country they have no more kids with Down syndrome because they killed them all. Isn't that sad? Every child is a gift from the Lord. I shared at the Karen Hart's banquet about Gene Stallings, who coached Alabama Crimson Tide. They won the national championship in 1992, I think. Well, when his son, Johnny, was born, he had Down syndrome. And Gene was a coach, very busy. His wife was very busy. And, and people came to Gene to back then, and they said this. They said, Gene, you know, he grew up in the 60s. They said, you're going to have to put that boy in a home. He said, I can't put my boy in a home. He's my boy. They said, no, you'll never be able to function in life. And he said this. He said, well, as Johnny grew up, he said, I found this out about Johnny. He says, he says oftentimes I would think Johnny was an angel. He said, he's one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. He said, at night he'll ask me. Now, Johnny was older at this time. He said, Dad, we going to get up leaves tomorrow? And his dad would say, yeah. He'd say, oh, I can't wait. He said, every night. He said, Dad, are we going to? They're going to go to the store tomorrow? And he said, yeah. He said, I can't wait. He said, this is a grown man saying this. He said, I love Johnny so much. He said, do you realize that I don't have anything named after me? Johnny's got Rhodes, uh, college football gyms named after him, weight rooms named after him. He's gotten so many awards and recognitions because that's who Johnny is. He says, Johnny always takes a Bible and a dollar to church. Always. He said, he said I prayed that God would change Johnny, but God changed me. He said, I was privileged to raise Johnny. And then he shared this story where they were at uh, uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium, packed out, seventy to 80,000 people there. So Johnny's always on the sideline, right? Johnny would look around, and he'd say to Gene, he'd say, who's your best boy? And Gene would say, you asking me? And Johnny would go, yeah, who's your best boy? And Gene said he'd get down on one knee, and he'd get Johnny down. He'd say, why don't you look at all these people? And he said, Johnny, just look, you know, like he was, like he was three years old in a candy store. He said, you know, he's older. And Johnny would look. He said he'd study it out. He'd say, how many boys do you think are here? And Johnny would say, thousands. And he'd say, out of all those boys, Johnny, you're my best boy. You're the best boy I got. And said, Johnny would hug him. See, Gene Stallings would tell you that every child is a gift from God. Do you believe that? Now, I shared this with you before. Okay, I'm 53. My wife's 50, 51, something like that. I probably shouldn't say that. But if she turned up pregnant tomorrow... I would check some people out. But, but No, I'm just kidding. But she turned out pregnant tomorrow, and we had a baby, would that child not be a gift from the Lord? Now, what if I was in my 30s and my wife got pregnant? Would that be a gift from the Lord? What if I was in my 20s? I think uh, when Jordan was born, I was 24. Is that child a gift from God? What if there's a couple in here, and they're dating, and one is 17 and one is 16, and they're not married? Is that child a gift from the Lord? sure is isn't it you know we should be the most welcoming church to unwanted or not unwanted unwed mothers we should be we should be when i was a student pastor we had a student who was very young to get pregnant and they said what are we going to do for this girl i said we're gonna have a baby shower that's what we're gonna do we're gonna celebrate life and that's what we did and that family's doing great to this day got married to her boyfriend at the time and they have many kids. A lot of them, actually. Doing wonderful to this day. Every child is a gift from the Lord. And if you believe that and believe that life begins at conception, you have to be pro-life. And then the final thing is this, and we'll close with this. I believe every child has the potential to become a Christian and to be used by God. One pastor put it this way. He says, the devil is pro-choice in the Bible. He used Pharaoh to kill all the boys born of Hebrew women. That was to stop the line of Abraham and Jacob. He said, let's stop it. Satan was terrified what was going to come out of these women. You know who came out of these women? Moses. One of the greatest prophets the world has ever seen. One of the smartest men to ever walk the face of this earth was Moses. The first five books of the Bible, these great books, was written by Moses. And, and Pharaoh tried to stop it. After Jesus was born, Herod killed all the males, two years old and younger, to be killed. That was Part of abortion is spiritual warfare. Imagine this. Denise mentioned 64 million babies. Could it possibly be that the cure for cancer has been aborted? The person with the cure for cancer? What about the person with the cure for COVID? They've probably been aborted. What about the next plague that's going to come and it's going to happen? They've probably been aborted. What about the next great theologian? The odds are really high that that person's been aborted, and God may say you just get what you get. I gave you this, this man or this woman with all this intellect, and you aborted that baby in the womb. See, I believe every child has potential to become a Christian and to be used by God. Do you believe that? And every child deserves a chance to be born. You know, I think about my life growing up. My mom got married when she was 15. Don't call Jerry Springer, all right? 15, okay? They were young and dumb, all right? My brother and I grew up not far from this from this church, just across the tracks. Saw some pretty bad stuff growing up. You know, mom and dad were young. My dad was young and dumb like I was. Did some really bad things at times. Got in trouble. Remember the law coming one night when I was about three years old at night. And my mom had us hide in a closet. I've shared this with some of y'all. My brother, he was four. I was three. You know, my brother's crying. He's worried. I'm the man of the house. Three years old, hiding in the closet, saying, Jeff, stop being a wimp. He's a Steelers fan, so he's not smart. He's not good looking. And he's he's scared. All right? Jeff's just nothing like I am. And anyway, he's there scared. I'm being the man of the house. Just chill out. It's going to be fine. Hiding in the closet. Police open up the door. Sheriff's deputies put the revolver in there. He's not here. Next thing I know, I see him getting my dad, handcuffing him, taking him off to jail. Okay? That's what I saw as a three-year-old and a bunch of other stuff. All right? Dad uh, is shipped off to Texas, and I see dad maybe once or twice growing up once or twice you know senior day at the ball games I never had a dad mom there most time I didn't have my mom there she worked two or three jobs somebody just walk out there with me this is how you grew up had no parental supervision at night my mom worked third shift from the time I was eight years old took care of myself nobody ever made me breakfast nobody ever did my laundry nobody nobody ever locked my doors at night I did it right my brother and I grew up that way when we turned teenagers guess what It's kind of like when the teacher leaves the classroom. That's kind of like our house. Yeah. So we didn't do a lot of good things at that time. All right. And as I graduated high school and as I did certain things, you know, I remember uh, going to a high school football game and one of my buddies that went to Millsville Baptist Church was driving because I drank every weekend, every weekend. And I just get a driver because I'd already got in trouble once. Parked at this house right here, right back there. My brother rented that house, drove up Harmony Street. And Gordon Knight got behind me and pulled me. That rascal, that rascal. And I went to the police or sheriff's department. I blew uh, Officer McDivitt, gave me the breathalyzer and said some not too nice words to me and said, boy, you're in trouble. You're gonna end up in jail. And guess what? I ended up in jail for seven days because of that. Was on probation for four years. Without license, the day I got married, I had no license. We had a limo come pick me up. They thought I was being a baller. No, I just didn't have license, so somebody had to take me home. They just did. Listen, uh, I surrendered to the Lord uh, for ministry at Millersville. I was a youth pastor. Couldn't drive the church van because I didn't have license. I couldn't do certain things. Couldn't go like out of state because I didn't have. I was on probation. Right. I remember when the association did a youth event. Um, I remember Ellis Fulbright driving back in the van. He said, that was a great event. I said, I know. He says, where's your car? I said, you're my car. You're taking me home, Uber. (laughs) So he had to take me home. He said, you don't have a license? I said, no, man. I'm actually on probation. He said, really? I said, yeah, I'm your youth pastor, though. And anyway, that's just the way it was. Took the kids at Carowinds. I was like, I need a driver because I don't have a license. So it's kind of embarrassing. Every day somebody had to take me to work, all right? Then through the process, become a youth pastor. Uh, come here to East Taylorville. I'm in the Philippines. Craig, I call the church to tell them to update. And Craig says, I'm resigning. And I said, well, when I land in, the, in Charlotte, I am the interim pastor of this place. First Sunday I preached was Easter. I'd never preached more than five sermons in my life. Okay? And then what God does, listen, listen. God takes our past, if we'll let him, if we'll let him, and give it to him. And he can give you a pretty bright future if you want to. Do you realize that the next pastor of East Hazel Baptist Church may have been born or may be just about to be born? And let's give that child a chance. Because I believe, listen, this is what I believe, that every child has the potential to become a Christian and to be used by God. That's my belief. Notice this verse on the screen. Proverbs says, Rescue those who are unjustly sentenced to die. Save them as they stagger to their death. Don't excuse yourself by saying, look, we don't know. Yeah, you do. You know. You know, if you're here, you're a Christian, God's Spirit lives inside you, and you have a brain, you know. This is wrong. For God understands all hearts and He sees you. He who guards your soul knows you. You knew He will repay all people as their actions deserve. Actions speak louder than words. What can you do? You can give today to caring hearts. Thank you for your ministry. They, they do a lot more than that as well. You can volunteer for Caring Hearts. You can uh, encourage women who are pregnant. Encourage them. The gospel is the answer for you if you're thinking about abortion. The gospel is the answer for you if you've had an abortion. Do you realize that some people have an abortion and they have a different worldview than you? When I was in high school, I was lost. And I read into all the, that, that, that worldview, right? I probably would have didn't know any better. If you, if you grow up your whole life and you go to school and you don't go to church and somebody says that's a clump of sales, what are you going to think? I talked to a very educated, uh, very financially well off, very successful person in this county, and they told me even up to nine months old, that was just a clump of sales. Now, how do you reason with that? You can't. If somebody's mind's at that place, you can't reason with them. But if you're here today and you've had an abortion, I love you. God loves you. We're not here to guilt you into nothing. We're here to tell you that there's grace and hope with Jesus. There is grace and hope with Jesus. And I would encourage you to give yourself to Jesus. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Him, I would encourage you to do that today. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Aren't you thankful for that? That the Holy Spirit can give sight to the blind and He can raise your dead spiritual life, and only He can do that. I'm going to ask you to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed as our musicians come. I'm not going to give a long invitation. but as they come, would you be in prayer for our nation as we continue to struggle with this issue and ask God, what is my part in this? If you know somebody here today that's pregnant and thinking those thoughts, will you pray for them now? Lift them up to the Lord in prayer. If you're here today and you've been in this situation and you've went through with an abortion, God loves you. He cares for you. He knows all about it. Your life's not over by any stretch of the imagination. God can work through you just like he does me. And thank him for his forgiveness, for his grace, and for his mercy. And after I pray, if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would invite you to come to Christ this morning. Father, as we come to you in prayer. We want to tell you that we love you. Father, thank you for salvation. Lord, thank you for life. Lord, I want to thank you for my mom who chose to give life. Lord, who, who, who went down a hard road to raise us. Lord, thank you. If she can do it, anybody can do it. And, Father, help us to choose life. Help us to see many, many children, Lord, come into the kingdom and be used for your honor and for your glory because women and men have chosen life. Father, if there's anyone here today that's lost, never placed their faith and trust in you, Lord, you offer eternal life. You're the only Savior we have, Father. And I'm so thankful that if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised you from the dead, that we can be saved. So, Father, I pray that you'd save for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. Just a couple of things I want to mention. Number one, we're on a regular schedule tonight, which starts at 5 p.m. Also, need to mention this as well. Next Sunday, this is hard for me to say, will be Sharon's last Sunday leading our choir. And we're so thankful for uh, her service here. She started since I've been here in 2011. I'll share more about this next week, but Sharon, we love you. We thank you for all your, your hard work and everything that you've done for us. And what we're going to do for her next Sunday, we're going to cancel all Sunday night services in either 4, 4.30, or 5, we'll, we'll send out a phone tree. We're going to have a reception for her and for Daryl. It'll be out in the lobby area out there. We're encouraging you to bring cards, give her money, give her whatever, mow their grass, do whatever you want to do for them, okay? But we're going to, we want you to have that opportunity to bless her. We want to encourage you to be here that night. We'll have uh, finger foods and different things like that. But Sharon came to us at a really difficult time. I called her on a Wednesday morning. She led choir that Wednesday night and been there ever since. Probably missed one or two Sundays. I mean, that's just such a blessing to have somebody like that. So, Sharon, we love you. We thank you and Daryl for your service here. Uh, You're in our prayers. We want to mention as well that uh, Andrea uh, Pennell has been named as our interim uh, choir uh, leader, and she'll start on January 29th, and first Sunday will be that first Sunday in February. So pray for her as well. So we want to thank her and Sean for their willingness to serve as well. But we love you. God bless you. Our ushers are at the door. Please give generously to Karen Hart's Pregnancy Center. Thank you. God bless you, and have a good Sunday afternoon.